This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Greetings and salutations. You've successfully arrived at the bloody, disgusting network. Coming up next is something indescribable, tantalizing, and mind-numbing. Enjoy. Twilight Zone has been brought to you by Milk Wave Lilt, the new home permanent you mix with milk. The curls that start soft and stay lively. Did you ever watch The Twilight Zone? Remember the Twilight Zone with Burgess Meredith? Remember, he, he, he loved to read, and there was a nuclear war, and he had no friends anyway, and he was oh, down on yeah, basic glasses. What about the mannequins that got two weeks off and turned into humans, and they were allowed to go out and shop for two weeks on their own, and then this one came back, and it was over two weeks, and the other mannequins went, come over here for a minute, and turned into plastic. You, you want to see something really scary? Yeah. Everyone's head must have just stunk. <laughs> Edna, why you got spilled milk on your head? <laughs> what does that even mean? Why? Like, there had to be something better to mix it with, right? Like, water? Anything's <laughs> better than milk. <laughs> Ugh, disgusting. Yeah, that's so gross. <laughs> milk fed. Why are they, the, the, the verbiage they use? <laughs> milk fed. Lilt? What was it called? Lilt. <laughs> What does that mean? Sounds good. Why were there was such a fucking strange You want your head to smell like cheese. Probably spilled out, milk. too. Oh, yeah. Oh, they loved it. Oh, I got to go get my milk fed built. Oh, Harold, <laughs> let me go to the markets and get some, pour some milk on my head. <laughs> so you might find me attractive. Oh, God. <laughs> well, they still had the milkman, so. Different times. No, that's true. <laughs> you know, you know, I'm going to need a note for an extra bottle for my head. <laughs> Maybe he'll leave a bottle in the box. <laughs> morning, morning, Edna. Need that head milk? <laughs> yes, it's my hair treatments. I want to get a new chamomile. <laughs> and have a permanent. <laughs> That's how Bugs Bunny said permanent. Yeah, I gotta give you a permanent. Permanent. He's brushing that big orange guy's head. What was that orange guy's name? I forget. He has foot? a. No, he's Elmer Fudd. <laughs> what big orange Wait, guy? Wait, hold on. The big <laughs> orange is just hair. He's just like a uh, big thing of hair. Uh, and, uh, it was the Looney Tunes versions of Sweetums. So it wasn't Elmer yeah. Fudd. <laughs> Sweetums. What's his uh, What's his name though? He does have a name. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I gotta look it up. Orange Bugs Bunny. Boy. Orange Monster. I guess I never watched much Looney Tunes either. You didn't fucking watch anything, huh? <laughs> what did I do? <laughs> just looked at the wall. He played Magic the Gathering, yeah, did. Diablo, Diablo 2. 2. I mean, both noble pursuits. And World of Warcraft. Don't forget. Yeah, that was... Rank 1 parses. I have several. There's going to be one person that gets that, maybe. Gossamer? Gossamer. That's what his name is, yep. Gossamer. Yeah, it's Looney Tunes. It's the Sweetums from Looney Tunes. Yeah, he looks like big orange texticles. <laughs> <laughs> he does. Uh, 
you know, we're vamping because tonight's episode. Yeah, we're going to do our best to talk about anything but this episode. The episode that I'm speaking about is episode four, the 16 millimeter shrine, an air date of October 23rd, 1959. And unfortunately, anybody could watch it whenever they want on the streaming platform, Tubi or Paramount Plus. And do yourselves a favor. Skip yeah, this, skip one. this one. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd hate to be so negative about it, but I really didn't enjoy this episode at all. No, me neither. Uh, there's one thing I did enjoy, but we'll get into that later. <laughs> In hindsight, I don't want to blow that. This makes episode three better. Seeing episode four. Judd, you're echoing somehow oh. now. You might be too far from your mic. Ah, How about now? Who's next on the wheel? Now you're about. Oh, okay, I'll get a little closer. I'll yeah. stay right here. Lean in, baby. Lean in, baby. Be uh, personal. Yeah, this episode made episode three look way better to me. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, it's tough to even talk about. Um, some old, excuse me. Some, <laughs> some, barking. some old hag. Who lives in the Hollywood Hills? Uh, an old fading star, probably a big whose heyday was the '30s, is just watching old 16 millimeter prints of herself in movies that you know when she was a big star, and she's just a jerk to everybody for the rest of the episode. That yeah, ends. she's not pleasant, mind you. She's she has a maid and an agent that cares about her, and her own private movie theater. In the fifties or sixties, whenever this <laughs> this was, she's doing she's quite doing well. Good. And people and the studios really love to give her work. Yeah, yeah. She has no problems whatsoever. Zero. Yeah. Except that she's not as young as she'd like to be. Actress Barbara Dream- Barbara Jean Trenton is a faded film star who lives in the past by constantly rewatching her old movies instead of moving on with her life. So her associates try to lure her out of her self-imposed isolation. So the woman that we see is how she sees herself. Is that what we're supposed to think? I think so. That's that's what I'm thinking because everyone else around her is haggard, old. You could tell that you know when she's watching the movie, she's young and pretty, but she doesn't look any different than she does in the movies, yeah. as far as I'm concerned. So she's Which stuck means- in her head from that last movie. I think that's what it seems to me, right? Yeah, okay, because like the the show tells us she's old, and uh, the woman's played by Ida Lupino, who's a lovely you know, woman. And uh, oh yeah, she's a great actress. She's great also actress. she's also the only woman to uh, direct an episode of The Twilight Zone, mm-hmm. and also the only person in general to ever star and direct an episode of The Twilight Zone. It's hmm, crazy. When wow, did, uh, what, is that an upcoming episode? Um, no, I believe it's in episode season five, The Masks, oh, 1964. So, so it's later, yeah. So we got a ways. Well, that's cool. Yeah, I mean, good for her. I mean, it's just, it's not, I don't think it's her fault. I mean, it's nobody, it's not the cast. No, it's nobody's fault. No one in the cast, everyone in the cast is fine. They do their jobs great, you know. It's, it's, it's the material is just like, it's a it's rare the, miss. Yeah, it's a miss. I, and there's, there's places to go that are interesting with this concept. And it, very deftly avoids all of them. <laughs> well, the, the protagonist isn't likable. Yeah. Right. You that's know, the your, first that's re- your main problem. Yeah. The first three episodes, you like the protagonist. There's some nuance and subtlety. So you can so you root for them and you want to see them grow a little bit and achieve something. This one, 
she's just kind of shrill and ungrateful. Yeah, she's both. She's the protagonist and the antagonist in this episode, essentially. Which is fine, like, if you want to have a character who's kind of grating, as long as they get their comeuppance. But that's the problem. The big problem with the episode is she gets what she wants. And it's like kind of a happy ending for her that's not deserved or earned. It's bizarre that the protagonist is so unlikable in this episode, whereas the first three, you root for them. There's nuance, yeah. there's subtlety, there's an arc to it so that the audience actually cares how it resolves. And this one, there's no real moment, even if it was because I, I think it, you could still make it work if um, she's unlikable initially, if you lead her towards something, give her a moment uh, to show some levity or maybe she cares about some help somebody else. This is like, we don't really care about her. And then she gets what she wants. And the right. only prot- the protagonist, oddly enough, is her agent, which is not a, a common occurrence. The agent is never the hero of a story. No. Same thing. Like, it's like making the lawyer the, the hero. They never, they usually get eaten on toilet bowls. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Is it heavy? What's the matter, kid? You never had lamb chops? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, comparing it to the the episodes that came before this, this was a miss. This was essentially certainly needed an episode to to air that week. Yeah, yeah. It feels like like it feels like you know it's taken the Sunset Boulevard uh, templates of the aging starlet who's living in the past, um, and just, just doesn't do anything that particularly interesting with it. She's just a jerk and she's vain. Uh, She doesn't learn anything. That's the thing. She doesn't learn anything. Uh, She just gets what she wants. And maybe I'm missing something. It's like one of those where it's like, I feel like I'm missing something almost. Right. You feel like it's like, there has to be something deeper that I didn't check. But for every one of us to be like, no, this is, this is pretty much what we got. We're all in agreement on what this episode has been about. Yeah, so uh, directed by uh, Mitchell Leeson, I believe. That's not Leeson. That's how you pronounce his name. He uh, did three episodes of uh, The Twilight Zone. Mm. And we got another one coming rather quick. Episode six, The uh, Escape Clause. And then not again until next year when he directs uh, People Are Alike All Over. Mm. I I don't know. I don't recognize those I don't recognize either of those, so I'm excited to see. Maybe this is just, you know, maybe he's average. Maybe it was a hiccup. Yeah, well, according to IMDb, it does. So this is a low-ranking episode on Star. Yeah, 6.8 it received on IMDb. I, personally, will score it lower than that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is when, like, last time we talked about throwing out fives willy-nilly. I think this is a five, dude. This might be a four. Yeah, it might be a four. Four, for sure. I mean, it's not much to talk about. It's like, she... So she runs, so she's, her agent comes around, like offers her a role, like uh, says the studio's interested in giving her a role. She's like, it's not the hot, it's not the leading lady who's young and gorgeous. It's like, oh no. It's like, no. no it's a smaller role, it's a supporting role, it's a good role. I don't want it. I'm leaving it alone. <laughs> yeah. And I'm playing essentially the, Right. That's how the episode plays out, essentially. Yeah. It's like, all right. And then she gets sucked into her old uh, projector and but goes the, and parties with all her old friends. 
Yeah, she's like talking about all her old friends at one point. So her agent, who's like just the sweetest guy, who's just like really concerned about her mental health as a like you know not just like you know like getting a cut. He's like genuinely concerned with it for her. Uh, it was yeah. played by Martin Balsam, who's an amazing actor uh, in one of my favorite movies, uh, Taking a Pelham One Two Three. Uh, he's a little big man. He's great. Um, psycho. He's psycho. And which I'd rather be watching right now uh, in that episode. Um, yeah, he like says, I'm going to like have her, you know, it's like she's like, oh, she misses her old friends. Uh, it's like when most of them have moved or are dead or both. So he's like he finds her her co-star from the movie she's watching in the beginning of the movie. And this guy named his name is Jerry. And yeah, her leading man from uh, the movie that she's, you know pining over at the beginning yeah he's like don't i found jerry you can have a nice party with him and he's just and she's she's all excited to see jerry because she, all she remembers is that that handsome young man and he, and he shows up he looks like the alfred from the 60s batman show yeah uh, he's just like just he's, he looks like he drank from the wrong grail and he works well he owns a chain of supermarkets now right or something oh so, well the other thing about jerry and this is the only this is you know what i'll give it a five because of one thing that comes out when Jerry speaks, <laughs> and we all know where this is going, he's got the best. I'm an aficionado for these kind of things. <laughs> I love old men trying to say words with S's when they have dentures, because a very peculiar thing happens. Like if you, <laughs> the writers were very mean to Jerry, to the actor who played Jerry, because Jerry clearly has a mouthful of old chops. He's got dentures in. <laughs> And people with dentures tend to have a problem saying S words. So his 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 exact phrasing, I had to write like I, I took a note immediately. I was like kind of tuning out of the episode. And then he says this sentence and I was just like, OK, this just jumped up a couple points. And he's like, oh, I've I own a string of supermarkets now because <laughs> when they try to say S words. <laughs> They have to, because like, those choppers run the risk of flying out of your mouth. So you really got to augment how you say <laughs> S words. Like you got to keep those lips tight on the teeth. Otherwise, they're going across the room. <laughs> like unless you have those things bolted in, <laughs> you got some industrial strength effort dent going on. It's like, oh, happy bird. It's just great to see you. <laughs> Everybody sounds like John Merrick when they have dentures. Um, yeah, he's, it was my favorite part of the episode by far. <laughs> it's really one of the only redeeming parts of the episode. It's when I came alive. He's just like, how have you been? <laughs> I own a string of supermarkets. <laughs> I have a dog named Sally. <laughs> it was really, it was really weak. And she looks at him. She's like, oh, my God, you're old and gross. And she runs out the room. Like, how rude is that? Like, these yeah. are people who, like, had, like, a connection. It's like, ugh, you look like shit. See ya. Yeah. <laughs> Where yeah, is she going? She, she had no. <laughs> oh. Something, something's got good for her. <laughs> yeah, she, I mean, her character was not likable at all. She had zero redeeming qualities. The only, you know, the, the whole, it ends with her just being like, oh, I can be vain again in my world of, of, of pictures with young Jerry and his working teeth. Yeah. So the ending is she goes into like the projector, like into her old film 
and she sees her agent. Her agent's like, what are you doing in there? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they were very, very kind of lax with uh, everything that was going on. Yeah, it's like, oh, not this again. Oh, <laughs> she's, she's get, it's like it's like when a cat gets like into like some like behind the couch. You, you shake a broom at it. Get, like, get out of the picture. I was like hoping, like when like because they kind of say it's like I wish I could go into the pictures. I was hoping for something more like the the girl in Nightmare on Elm Street three who gets head shoved into the TV. <laughs> oh, Dream Warrior! Wake up, she's just dangling. What's yeah, that? That's uh. Dream Warrior? Yeah, Dream Warriors. I, I really right? like that one. That's my might be my favorite. It's uh, out of that series, my favorite one. That one really like, I love one. the night. I it love just the night. It bugs out in movies. a cool way, just goes for it. Well, you know who wrote that, right? Who? Uh Chuck Russell, who uh went on to direct The Mask, and Frank Darabont. No and way. Really? Off of that, they got the Blob remake the following year. Because it hmm. was it re- like it reignited the series. Like because the first second one was just weird i'm a big fan of all of them i but uh first one's good the third one's just like okay we have this dream concept let's get crazy let's go, yeah let's yeah let's that's do why something. it was cool good cast yeah, then they then they started getting really crazy with it yeah then roseanne and tom arnold show up <laughs> <laughs> that's a really i still yeah. love that movie i love that movie too we went to see that in the movies yes, together. I Frank. still have, uh, yeah, we, watched, we all watched uh, Freddy Die in 3D Freddy Vision. Yeah. <laughs> That's what they called it. Yeah. Freddy uh, Vision. I still have my glasses from that night. Wow. I wish I still had mine. Oh, I have uh, I have a bunch. I actually went on an eBay spray <laughs> and just said, oh, you have a bunch of, uh, I bought like a dozen of them. So. Freddy's Dead glasses? Oh, mind? yeah. All neat. They still have the House Party 2 uh, like coupon on the side of it. Wow. I think this episode could have been cool. Like, I've seen other... Like, it might be a 1959 thing. So if you're Serling, right, and you want to do this type of episode, how do you think he should have ended it? What could he have done? Because I like the idea of actress, she's been faded out. She can't handle that. That's a good hook. I'm yeah. in with that. Yeah, I like the I like I like the idea, the premise of the episode. It's the execution, I think, is really where it kind of falls flat on me. Because even her getting like pulled into one of her old roles and you know living her life there would still be a great ending if the yeah. character was likable. Yeah. Your character's just not likable. Maybe if she was just brought into one of those films early on and now she's living in that movie. But the movie's it's not a good life. You know, something like that. Right, right. Oh, maybe it's not all cracked up. Exactly. Like, yeah. it's... Maybe make her life bad. Yeah, like, right. Give Jeez. us a relatable issue. Yeah, right. Make her a relatable issue where escaping into this is like... Oh, right, is a is reprieve release. from... Right, exactly, from your life. But no, like, she has everything. You can see that. She lives in a palace. She has servants. She's just mad that she's old. And the- she doesn't like it. And her friend has bad teeth. <laughs> And what's the more? And what's the moral of this? Well, you know, the first three kind of have morals. What is the moral of this one? I, if you're a shit, you get what you want. Right. See, that doesn't. That's not going to click right, for an audience. Right. No. Yeah. Kind of true though. Sometimes. Mm, if you're wow. vain and miserable, you'll get a reward. You get a treat. Yeah. The end. If you're privileged. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, that's essentially the. The premise of this episode. The show, it's not up to the bar quality that the show is already set. 
and where I know it's going to be. Uh, right. Right. Ways. If you're watching this for the first time and you're going week to week, this might be the one where it's like, oh, strike one. You might not have many more of these. You know, if they if they gave you back-to-back episodes like this, now I'm really curious on what the next episode's going to be because I haven't watched ahead. But if it's like back-to-back flops like this, you might be like, oh, I'm going to go back to Lassie. <laughs> I'm going to go see what that dog's up to. Ah, <laughs> oh, Timmy's in the well again. Well, good old Lassie will get him. I wonder if this episode oh. actually did bring the ratings down because it wasn't a huge smash out of the gate. No. Right. I wonder if you can... That's got to be data that you can find somewhere. Historical data on that. I don't think they were using Nielsen measurements yet. But I mean, no. They definitely had some kind of share. They're just phoning people. You want, What are you watching? <laughs> <laughs> Operator, get me anybody. There is a interesting documentary, if anyone's interested, called Searching for Deborah Winger, which is 2002. It's actually... The whole thing's available on YouTube. But it's directed by Rosanna Arquette, and it's about this. It's um, it's interviewing actresses. It's like the list. It's like every famous actress you you would have known in the '90s is in this. Talking about how once you hit actresses hit, hit a certain age, they just get phased out, and you just don't see them again. And then it's always, huh. oh, whatever happened to this person? And you realize, well, nothing. It's just there wasn't roles anymore. It's like as soon as you hit forty, you're just out, gone. See, that's the angle. Mm. Like, there's there's something with that angle. Yeah, actresses get discarded. Catherine Zeta Jones, where'd she go? She's uh, going to be in the the Adams Family uh, show that's coming out now. Oh, is she? Yeah. Hmm. With Luis Gomez as, I mean, not Luis Plus Gomez. Is in, Luis? Uh, Chicago Luis... the other day. What's that actor's name? Is it Luis Gomez? Because there's not yeah, enough roles. Shit. Whereas men, that does, that's not really the case. Yeah, right. Shelf life. And then they're just gone. Yeah. So yeah. it's actually on YouTube if anyone wanted to watch that. See, that's an interesting angle to take about how actresses are discarded. and But that's not her issue. It's like she's not being discarded. She's still like respected in the industry and giving offered roles. She just refuses to take them because she's like, she's... but I want to be the young ingenue. It's like, you're not. It's just you could still be working. Like, yeah, women like. Actresses just not getting roles because they're not deemed attractive. That's something interesting that it could have went into, but it didn't. Doesn't she have yeah. some line? She's like, I don't play mothers. Yeah. Yeah. yeah See, yeah, that yeah, could yeah. have been because I know Michael Caine has this famous thing where he talks about in some interview. He's like, the first time someone asked him to play a dad, he's like, ah, oh, shit, I'm a dad now. Because, you know, he's like the sex symbol guy for a long time. He's like, oh, right. Now I'm older. Yeah. Mm. I was sitting on, I was sitting. I was sitting in a cafe in Florence drinking a Fanny Bronca. And they said, you want to be somebody's father? I said, I'm not somebody's father. Me and my big glasses are never going to be somebody's dad. Can we talk about Sorry, Martin Balsam for a second? Yeah. So, Frankie, have you seen A Thousand Clowns? I have not seen A Thousand Clowns. Okay, so Best Supporting Actor winner for that one. Like you said, he's in he's in taking a poem one, two, three. What do you guys think about my my uh loose, not thought out theory that his scene in Psycho as a detective dying is the most influentially shot scene ever? Oh, I agree. Yeah, I mean that I rhythm, 100% agree. That rhythm is iconic. And it's just like, oh, this is like a stock thing you see in horror films now. Yeah. And it's like, oh yeah, I'd never seen that. I don't think they did that before this movie. No. 
So if you no, no, look him up on YouTube, the first psycho clip, just click on that and you get to watch the scene. It's all like the framing of it is amazing. And yeah, it, everything about it. Yeah, especially if it's ni- this is 1960, so it's just kind of mind blowing. Right. Hmm. Um, much to talk about with this episode. We yeah, were talking about epi- Psycho, taking a Pelham 123, which is a great film. Uh, that the original. Should see. Has anybody seen the original. Yeah, the original? Not that John Travolta nonsense. Judd. That's my it? favorite. Yeah, I love the John Travolta movie. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I've never seen the original, though. Don't do that. Put it on the list. Put, yeah, add it to the list. You know what? 1960 was a weird year for uh, voyeurist movies because there was that and Peeping T- Psycho and Peeping Tom, both kind of like horror movies based on like, you know, voyeurism type of thing. And Peeping Tom never gets the. The love, yeah, it's they always it call it the British Psycho. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Owl yeah. and Pressburger, those guys were on fire. Yeah, um, yeah, I, yeah. Right. This episode, huh? Well, yeah, I mean, so what, we covered the episode. What are the ratings? Yeah. I think I'm gonna go three. Shit, the more I talk yeah. about it, it might be a three. Yeah, a three. I don't know what a one three. is. I'm trying to not go too low because I don't know what a one or a ten is, but I think a three for now. We'll revisit this once we, we should get a, go through the whole series. A scale, like a grading scale. Yeah, so, once we get, yeah, once yeah. we finish this, what, how about this? When we finish season one, we'll get a list, you know, a list together of, uh, then we can make a scale, yeah, essentially. Okay, I like that. That's this, what I'm getting at. One this should episode be like, was a three. Go ahead, go ahead. This episode was a three. And Jerry's teeth were suffered. <laughs> <laughs> but let's talk about something we are excited to talk about. Mm. And that is the super spooky spectacular that we still haven't named yet, even from last week. The Booper Bowl? The Booper. Yeah, I guess the Booper Bowl. Oh, like didn't it, you just though. say that kind last week? Yeah, I wasn't happy about oh, it. Oh, I thought we were all. Okay the Booper Bowl? No, we didn't, we didn't like the Booper <laughs> Bowl. <laughs> That's a good playsetter for now. I mean, yeah. The Booper Bowl. Are you kidding? There's no way it's happening. It's happening again, on, on a different, a different mic. mic. At five, five minutes in. At five minutes. Yep. <laughs> no, then it's definitely... Frank, you have a uh, fucking poltergeist. It's Jerry's ghost. Keep <laughs> cracking wise about his teeth. Yeah. I'll show you. <laughs> I'll show you, Frank. <laughs> I'm gonna, my crackly teeth are going to ruin your podcast. Podcast. <laughs> I'm going to give you... <laughs> what the fuck, man? This is really fucking... This is... Jeez, this is crackle shit. for me. <laughs> It's five minutes every time. It's wild. But now he can't chime in. He can't be a nice boy and, and partake he's in the conversation. Not a, he's in timeout. He's not a nice, he's not boy. A nice boy tonight. <laughs> Let's talk about something that we are excited about. Let's do it. And that is the spooky, spectacular Booper Bowl. <laughs> that is coming up this October where we draft our top five horror movies for you, the fans, the listeners, whatever you want to call yourselves, the zoners, uh, uh, to vote upon <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, give us who you think, me, wins. What? What happened? Well, what do you mean by draft, Chris? So what we're going to do is we're going to have a snake draft. We're going to pick the order and draft <laughs> our... 
Frank, for those of you listening, Frank isn't speaking right now because his microphone is terrible. So he, but he's still here. Still terrible. Yeah, it's still terrible. God damn it, he's still here, and he's on camera for us doing a little show. So we're doing a little laughs about it. (laughs) But basically, the format is going to be throughout the month of October, we're going to list our five horror movies. Well, we're going to draft five horror movies starting on the first day. What are we going to do? We agree on the first Monday of October, October 4th. Right. So look for that. Leading up to Halloween. Leading up to Halloween. So on October 4th, no, October 3rd is Monday. I'm a fool. October 3rd, October 10th, and October 17th. We'll do three episodes. On the first episode, we will list our fifth and fourth picks. Well, well, first and second picks. The 10th will be our second and third. And the 17th will be our number one draft pick. Same format as Zoning Out. We'll go into the background of every of every movie we pick, discuss it, wherever the conversation takes us. Hopefully Frank's microphone is operational by then. <laughs> All ending on, we'll give everyone time to vote, and on Halloween we will reveal the winner as voted upon by you, the fans, and we will all argue about who was wrong and who was right about the best team. And I can't wait. Oh, yeah. And The Lost Boys is a horror movie. Lost Boys is a horror movie, yes, agreed. Jaws is not. Monster Squad is not, and Jaws is not. Alien is, but Aliens Aliens is not. Still bad? Terrible. Awful. (laughs) Yeah, it's going to be. So that's what I'm excited for. A lot of fun. (laughs) The episodes might go seven hours each. I'm not going to. I'm just prefacing now. I have so many thoughts and so many movies. It's going to. It's absurd. I apologize in advance. Marathon. 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 uh, Episodes. Frank's gonna have a lot to say too. He's mouthing um, it right now. <laughs> uh, unless, uh, unless we can only record five minutes at a time due to Frank's microphone mishap, <laughs> and then uh, they won't be that long. Yeah. I promise. We're gonna we're gonna start this whole thing out. But, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to thank you for zoning out with us tonight. I'm Christopher Feinstein. John Sachs. I'm Judd. Thank you, folks. Enjoy yourselves, enjoy yourselves, enjoy yourselves. I don't know why I said that three times. (laughs) I like it.